0: Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk We're going to go to John 1 to start with very famous passage, page 886. If you've got one of the blue large print Bibles, it's page 1053. John 1, read 1 to 18. Amen. Would you turn back in your Bibles to Psalm 85? Uh, we're continuing our series through uh, the so- uh, Psalms of the Sons of Korah. And here we are in Psalm 85. This is to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Amen. Now, one of my uh, highlights of, of being in the mountains is seeing the magnificent birds of, of prey soaring in the sky. When I was a teacher, we used to take uh, older pupils to the Isle of Aran for a field trip. And uh, just near where we stayed, up a craggy uh, peak, a pair of golden eagles nested. And I remember the first time I saw them you know, soaring high up in the sky, they're they're noble and majestic, kind of beautifully circling uh, up on the thermals, round and round, up and up. Now that that strikes me uh, as a great life. But but when I've been up there myself in the sky, and circling, uh, waiting in an aeroplane for a landing spot, it is anything but glorious, isn't it? It's circling again and again round an airport. It's nauseating, not noble. Uh, And that that circling, it's a circling feeling, isn't it? That experience of going round and round and round in a bad way as well can actually feel quite familiar uh, in the Christian life. We have have highs, things go well, and then we circle round and find ourselves in a dip. Uh, Life's hard, there's an ever-present sin, We're finding church or reading the Bible difficult, it feels as if the Lord's hand might be heavy upon us. It's true as a church too, isn't it? We can see times of growth and then sometimes circle round for times of dryness, conflict, perhaps persecution, decline, and then and then round again. And it's not just now, it's actually been the experience of God's people throughout the ages. That's what's going on in this psalm. God's people have known times of God's favour. Now it feels as if God's hand is heavy. And they've been here before. Verse 4, restore us again. Verse 6, will you not revive us again? I don't know, perhaps it was spiritual darkness they were facing. Worship was hard for them. Or perhaps they're experiencing difficulty in life. You know, Enemies such as the, the Philistines I don't know, were pressing in. Or, or perhaps crops were failing in a drought. These were signs that God was in some way against them. They were feeling it. And perhaps you feel in a similar pit at the moment. Spiritual life is feeling tough. I don't know whether it's temptations are just looming more than ever, suffering battering you, feeling of being abandoned by God. And if not at the moment, it might well come in the future. And when it does, it's it's hard to it's hard, it's hard to know where to start in the midst of it all. But Psalm eighty five is a glorious song. It's a song that gives us words to say, words to sing in those kinds of moments. It leads us in how, how to come to our Heavenly Father. Now it's important to say that the feeling of God's distance, that, that spiritual struggle can actually come upon us for many different reasons. Uh, the Westminster, Westminster Confession of Faith talks about this actually in a very helpful way. Have a listen. It says this. It says, true believers may have the assurance of their salvation, shaken, diminished, or temporary lost in various ways. That's what I've just been talking about. And then it gives some reasons as by negligence in preserving it or by falling into some special sins which wounds the conscience, grieves the spirit, or by some a sudden or violent temptation, or by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and allowing even those who reverence him to walk in darkness and have no light. It gives, it gives a variety of different reasons for our spiritual lives being shaken, and it's, it's worth noting that some of those reasons may be due to us. We might just be poor at nurturing our spiritual lives at the moment, I don't know, being irregular at church, being slow to pray. We might be struggling with a particular sin or temptation. But some of the reasons have nothing to do with us. It may just be God, for some reason, withdrawing his light for a season. Now, in this psalm, we're not fully told what reason is behind their need to sing. It's probably deliberate, so that it's a song for all ages and peoples. But there are hints. There are hints of sin. Given this talk of God's anger and wrath in verses 4 and 5, and also verse 8, let them not turn back to folly. We'll come back to that. Now, God's people aren't being completely banished here. Okay, They're not being banished to hell when they speak of God's wrath in this psalm. We need to remember, especially as Christians... God has dealt with the final wrath over us. It's an amazing truth of the gospel, isn't it? Christ took the full punishment we deserve. It's done. He's borne our sin. God's people are still his people, but instead they're experiencing God's heavy hand. Yes, in displeasure, but in discipline, in guidance, in somehow moving his people to be more and more like him. It's, it's out of a place of love, like a parent disciplining his child in those feelings, in the wake of spiritual dryness, this psalm, uh, God's leading us gently and beautifully. He leads us graciously back to him. So let's see how. Well, firstly, it's through remembering. Remembering that the psalmist gets us to look back. Verse 1, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. God's people begin by remembering, seeing all that God has done for them. God had done lots of things. He had saved them from Egypt. Every time God's people had spiraled into sin when they were first in the land, he sent a judge to rescue them to avert his wrath. Even then, uh, when they had been sent into exile, God rescued them and brought them home. They knew the mercy of God's. They'd seen it, they'd experienced it, they'd heard about it, they'd seen God hold back his wrath, they'd seen God bring deep forgiveness to his people. They were remembering. And we have even more to remember. Not just what God did for us when he saved the Israelites, but supremely remember Christ. Remember that glorious day when God restored the fortunes of his people, when he forgave their iniquity, covered all their sin. We look back at the darkness of Golgotha, don't we? We, we see the ripped curtain, the cry of our Saviour, and we see God's people being forgiven, His wrath being turned away. But we also remember what God's done. Uh, God, for, uh, well, remember what He's done for us over the centuries, the way He's restored His people. Just think of the Reformation, he, he, he brought the gospel to re-found clarity for his people. Or think of local revivals when hundreds of people have become Christians in a way like never before. Perhaps in your own life, you've known God's favor at times. Perhaps when you've felt forgiveness deep down. When you've prayed and it's felt like you've been standing in heaven itself. Perhaps when he's helped you overcome a sin that you are struggling with. When it's as if you experience God in a wonderful way. Lord, you are favourable to your land. I've experienced it. Remembering. God has done so much good to his people. He's displayed such mercy and forgiveness, grace, faithfulness. But I wonder if we can end up remembering in two very different ways. I know for me, as I start to remember sometimes, I can get frustrated angry at God even. I get impatient. God, you, you did that in the past. Well, what are you doing now? Why isn't my life always like that? We kind of assume that the, the way it was is the way it should always be. And now, God, you're just, you're just being mean in some way. I think there's a, there's another way to remember the way the psalmist is leading us. Rather than getting frustrated like a petulant child, instead, Remembering drives us to our knees in dependence. Remembering wasn't just remembering the good life we once experienced. Instead, it's remembering in a way that points us to the character of God who did it. Rather than just being nostalgic for what he's lost, the psalmist opens up who God really is. And we'll see in his, in his prayer that follows, he leans into that truth. Since God you withdrew your anger before, surely you won't keep it going today. Since you were that God of salvation before, surely you're still the God of salvation today. He knows God is a God who doesn't change. He knows when God acted in the past, he showed something true about himself. Whether it's his love or his grace or the way he saves or he shows favor. And if it was true about God then, then it's true about God now. We need to go to the past, not to get frustrated with the present, but instead to look at the God of the past, to remember him, what he was like, because that's who he is today. If he was like that then, he's still like that today. We, We remember to rekindle our faith. We remember to let the character of God begin to blow over the embers of our faith to let it reignite our hearts, to, to stoke that fire of faith. God has shown great mercy in your life. We'll know that God is a God of mercy today. God has forgiven your sin in Christ. Know that God is a God who loves to forgive today. God has given you a time of closeness with Him in the past. We'll know that God loves to be close to His people today. We're just going to have a moment of quiet right now. And just to quietly remember, just to think back, remember what God has done in the past, whether it's in the life of the church over thousands of years or just in your own life. Just take a moment to remember, not to frustrate us with the present, but to point us to the God who is in in that past. So we're just going to take a moment now. The thing is, our present might still be very hard. So the remembering, as we said, drives us to our knees. And from remembering through Psalm 85, God then leads us through to pleading. Pleading. Now, since God's people remember God's actions in the past, so it takes them to a place of prayer and pleading. Verse 4 Restore us again, O God of our salvation. And put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. God's God's people know things aren't as they should be. Something has changed since verses 1 to 3, hasn't it? God's people aren't experiencing the fruit of salvation that God had so richly given them. They were circling again. Restore us again. Revive us again. Turn to us, God. Show us your face. Here were God's people, spiritually saved, yes, but in some way under God's disciplining wrath, in some way experiencing the fallen world in a way that pointed them to God's hand upon them. And they longed for it to be different, they pleaded for it to be different knowing what God has done in the past, knowing what God was like in the past, they longed and pleaded for him to do the same in the present, to show them his character in the present. And may we plead, plead too with the help of Psalm 85, as we face challenges in life, frustrating circling, struggles with sin, persecution, may we fall to our knees and call on God for mercy. For God to remove his discipline, to lift his hand, to bring back his light to our lives. Perhaps we pray for revival of the church. That many, many once again would believe in Christ. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Perhaps it's as we face persecution, restore us again, O God, of our salvation. Perhaps it's in our own personal struggles struggles with sin or with feeling strained, feeling left by God's, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And as we pray, as we plead, we're pleading for two things. We're, we're pleading for change in the short term. We're also pleading for change in the long term. We're asking God to bring immediate relief, aren't we? A miraculous change to our life circumstances. To start a revival, to stop the persecution, to bring healing to our hearts and minds, to help us stay strong in temptation. It's focused on the now, the short term. But there's something else we're praying for. We're longing for the final end of this age we're in. This age where sin still lingers, where God's disciplining hand is needed, where the world fights against us. So as we pray, show us your steadfast love. As we pray that we're pleading that Christ would return, that his kingdom would come. Not just a short-term end. Not just an end to this particular cycle of difficulty. But an end to the chance of going round again at all. We want the, the truth of what God has done in the past to explode into the present in such an extraordinary way that the old would be done with forever. And only the new would be here. Oh, in the face of our present struggle and remembering what God has done in the past, what do we do? We plead. We pray. We call on God to do something. So again, we're just going to take a moment now, just in the quiet of our hearts, to perhaps bring that pleading to God's here we move into a, a moving and soul enriching end to this psalm after remembering and pleading God's leads us through listening listening in the face of our pleading what is God's answer where well, he speaks peace it's peace to his people he brings salvation near he answers verse eight let me hear what God the Lord will speak for he will speak peace to his people to his saints but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. God has a word for his people, a word of peace. He comes close. But his answer is striking. It's an answer that says, right now, I'm, I'm not going to deal necessarily with your problem. He's not saying I'm going to suddenly take away them, all your problems and make everything better. No, instead God answers us differently. Like he did to Job, he points us once again to his character. He says, my answer is who I am. Verse 10. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. It's the meeting of a betrothed couple. Perhaps on a a sunlit evening, light shimmering off a gold-soaked river and and steadfast love, covenant love, love that has been promised before the foundation of the world. Love that pours out of who God is, comes and gazes into the eyes of faithfulness, faithfulness to justice, faithfulness to the law to holiness, to the wickedness of sin. And rather than a fight breaking out, rather than being like kind of similar magnetic poles pushing each other apart, no, they meet, they embrace. Or consider righteousness, righteousness, that quality of bringing what is good and true and noble to the world, of exacting standards and morality. How it comes and draws peace close. Peace from and with God, a peace of a world working as it should, peace of wholeness and contentedness, peace in our hearts, peace in relationships, righteousness and peace. Rather than squabbling, they they stretch forward and kiss one another. Here we see a harmony, unity, it's the deep characteristics of god they're not against one another they're not at odds god's mercy and his justice god's love and his righteousness the prospect of peace and of judgment they do not work against each other no they're like a couple who marry they meet they hold hands they kiss united one flesh harmony this is god's answer to us it's who he is These words of Psalm 85 echo God's name that he declared to Moses on Mount Sinai. If you note, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And listen to this bit. What is he? Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's answer is to show the beautiful wholeness of who he is. His characteristics meet and embrace he doesn't have a split personality. He isn't one day capricious and the next day a doting partner. No, his, his love is steadfast because he's faithful. He brings peace because he's righteous. Their, their unity, their intimacy is because God is one. He's not separated into parts. Putting God's love against his justice just doesn't work. His love is just. His justice is loving. He is love itself. He is faithfulness. And this is seen most fully, most gloriously in the person of Jesus Christ. As we read earlier from the Apostle John, the words became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. There it is, full of grace and truth. It's a similar pairing to Psalm 85. Jesus Christ makes this God known. He shows us the meeting of love and faithfulness. His his life on earth, His death, His resurrection, display to the world righteousness and peace kissing each other. Jesus Christ came to fulfill our covenant with God. He displayed God's faithfulness to save and bless his people. He demonstrated love and righteousness in everything he did. Oh, his death. Just think of his death. His death where wrath and mercy meet, as we sung just a moment ago. What a display of God's character. Paul puts it in the letter to the Romans differently. He says the, the cross was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Just and the justifier. Steadfast love and faithfulness to justice they meet. Righteousness and peace they kiss each other. But, but God doesn't just want us to look back at the events. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know who He is. He wants us to look at Jesus and say, there is my God. I now know God Himself. And what I see is the glorious unity, the one God listening. After remembering and pleading, are we listening to this word of peace? God is saying in all the difficulty, in all the circling, the answer to all that you're going through is, is me. It's who I am. And so it's no wonder that actually, verse 11, faithfulness springs up from the ground. Righteousness looks down from the sky. If the answer is who God is, well, his character is kind of embedded and permeates through creation. It infuses the cosmos. And so it guarantees a future. We look forward. Verse 12, Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. God is who he is, and so the world will come to its rightful end. Verse 13, righteousness will go before him. The world that we live in, yes... Yes, it's distinct from God. God is not creation and his creation is not God. But but creation only lives and moves and exists through God. He, He formed it out of his own free will. It's an expression of who he is. His bounty, his love, his glory. And so it will come together in a glorious unity. It will be a wonderful place of good and increase. Are you listening? This is God's word of peace. I don't know how you're feeling right now, but if you are spiritually dry and weary, I hope you can hear it. His word isn't, I'm going to take away all your problems right away. It isn't, I'm going to make it better this moment. Instead, instead it's, I am who I am. I am righteous and peace-loving, eternal in love and faithfulness. My character guarantees that whatever happens it will turn out all right nothing happens apart from me this is the answer to our circling experience there is someone who's fixed it's like the the horizon on our boat as, as our boat gets kind of buffeted by the waves God stays fixed even as we swirl about. God's character, even though we might experience it at different times in different ways, sometimes feeling more his justice, other times feeling more his loving presence, it's not divided. Even as we experience his justice, we're never separated from his love. Even as we might feel his distance, it doesn't mean he's forgotten his peace. Peace. In the midst of it all, God flowers peace. Not just a peace in the moment, but Not just a peace inside of us, but a blossoming of shalom, wholeness, a peace that cascades into eternal life. So God's answer, it locates everything in himself. And as it does so, listening requires something from us. Requires, firstly, in the words of the psalm, fear. Verse 9, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him fear, that's the Old Testament word for what is termed faith in the new. God saying the answer is me requires us to take a step of faith, to fear, to trust, to hold on, to, to listen to this promise of peace and say okay God, even though I don't feel it right now, even though life seems a mess and is hard, even though the church looks weak and fragile, your hand seems to be laid heavy upon her, even so because of who you are, I will trust you. I will walk with you. Salvation is near to those who fear him. This this message of peace is for those who hold on, who hold on to God, hold on to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because he is the expression of God. For for this to be of any comfort to you, if listening is actually going to deal with any of our problems and discouragements, then our hearts need to be directed to God in Christ. Life is going to produce curveballs. We are going to find ourselves in tough situations, in pain, in sorrow, in spiritual dryness, and struggling with worry and low feelings. And it's in those moments the bedrock of our lives start to show ourselves. Is it the rock of the word of God? The harmony of his character? Or is it something of this world? Is it the creator or his creation? This isn't about the strength of your trust. I want to say that. It's, it's about the strength of what you trust in. Don't try and measure, do I have enough faith? More fix your heart on who you have faith in. Listening. And so we have faith. But to finish, listening, yes, it's about faith, but it's also about obedience. Verse 8. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, But let them not turn back to folly. As I said at the beginning, sometimes life's spiritual low points come because God has made it happen in the mystery of his will. But sometimes it's actually because we've turned to folly. We've decided to ignore what God has said is good and we've gone our own way. God comes to us as the one whole perfect God and yet we live with divided hearts, sort of choosing him and sort of choosing folly. And perhaps this is a moment, just this evening, to reflect on that. Are there ways at the moment you're neglecting what is good? Perhaps even though you have the time, you're filling your heart with social media rather than with God's words. Perhaps even though you know it's wrong, you've decided to date a non-Christian rather than hold on to God's promises. Perhaps, you know, ever since you've retired, you've become lazy and given your life to life's simple pleasures... Rather than being at church regularly or being a prayer warrior for her. Now, the answer that God gives isn't uh, uh, just do better, it isn't just work harder, try more. Now, effort isn't a bad word, but it must flourish out of exactly the same answer as before. The answer is still the same it's God in His fullness. Receive his word of peace. As you, as you cry out, God, restore us again, revive me again, come back to who he, he is. He is where steadfast love and faithfulness meet, where righteousness and peace kiss each other. Come to the God of grace. Know his love for you. Know his love covers your sins. Know his love shows you how, how good it is to walk in his ways, to fear and not return to folly. So in the hard places, God leads us through remembering, pleading, and listening. Let's just take a a final moment to hear this word of peace. Listen to who God is in Christ. And then we'll sing in response in a moment.